There is a name, a name above all others. This name has stood the endless test of time. This name has changed the lives of untold millions. This name is Jesus and this Jesus he's mine his name lives on and shall live on forever while kings and kingdoms shall all pass away a name 
others this name has stood the endless test of time this name has changed the lives of untold millions praise god this name is jesus and this jesus he's
strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all and all. Jesus paid it
think about the night that Jesus saved me. I was on my way home, and he was talking about conviction. My mom prayed for me over and over, and I, I just, I felt like that, you know, it wasn't time. But this night, that when Jesus pierced my heart, I began to cry. And I remember when I got home, before I got home, I asked Jesus to, to save me. I said, Lord, I have walked away from you, but I want to come back home. And I remember that day, I'll never forget it, and I never want to. And I remember going in and hugging mom, and I told her, I said, I want to I wanna live for Jesus the rest of my life. I was 21 years old then. And I remember that day so well. And I, I remember the next day, Sue, I got up and I, I went to Asbury. And I was standing there. And everybody was looking at me because I hadn't been to church. And I wanted the people to know. So I went back to the altar. Right. I went back up there. And if you can repent again, I repented again, but I knew that my, my life was changed and I was happy again. And I remember just how the joy that filled my soul and how I loved just being in God's house and, and doing the right thing. And I'm so glad that there is conviction, Sue. You was talking about that. I'm glad that God convicted my heart to where I said, yes, Lord, I will serve you. He wrote my name in the yes, book of life. Yes. He cleaned me up and made me new. And I stand here wanting to praise him and glorify him and lift his name. I love him today. I praise him. Don't ever forget the day that Jesus saved you. Praise God. Amen. I was burdened down with sin. Within my heart of mine, since that day. 
Of lightning roll 
Your soul. 
just the name of Jesus is all you have to call out this morning. I'm having a little trouble this morning, um, but in all my trouble, I came here to tell you and myself uh, that the Lord is faithful, and I want to read you this scripture. It says in Lamentations 3, and God showed me this in a really cool way this week, but I came here to say it to you today, that through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. My hope is in Jesus. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and the faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you will do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to pass cause great is your faithfulness to Your faithfulness to me. 
Today I want to talk to you about something that I feel like God laid on my heart. I want to uh, I want to talk to you about gifts. I want to talk to you about the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And if you want to go there, you can. I'm going to read one scripture before that. And it's talking about in Acts, the second chapter. And it's something that Peter said when he was preaching. And I want to read it to you. In the second, uh, the second chapter of Acts, 16th verse, it says, But this is that which was spoken by prophet Joel. Peter standing up preaching about what's going on on the day of Pentecost. This is what prophet Joel had said way back. It said, And it shall come to pass, verse 17, In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I want you to hear that. Because Peter said something. He's clarifying what's going on on the day of Pentecost. He's trying to let the people know they thought the people were drunk when they heard them speaking in tongues, when they heard the Holy, when the Holy Spirit had fell and the, and the people, but they heard in a special language. Now, if you're not from the Pentecostal, I want you to understand something. We are Pentecostal. I'm not trying to excuse that, nor am I trying to say, but I can tell you right now, my father, and I remember him all the way from as God gave him the church when he started. My father never pushed those things at you. He told you to read them for yourself. He followed the Bible the best he knew how, and I know God gave him what he was to do. God gives the call, just like God gave the call to Asbury Tabernacle. They did not have tongues going on in Asbury Tabernacle. That was something that was 
hard for them to control, I guess, is the way they looked at it. But I look at it like God called Brother Vaughn because when I look at my father, my mother, I look at Sue's parents, I look at Destel and Duran's parents, I look at all of These people got saved coming to Asbury. These people got saved. A lot of our families got saved there because the Holy Spirit was moving through Asbury Tabernacle. No matter if you want to put Pentecostal on it or you want to say it wasn't or whatever, I know Jesus is coming back for one church. How many knows that? So don't get offended either way. If you don't believe stuff, that's okay. I, I'm not trying to force anything down your throat. I'm trying to tell you that some things need to be explained or some things need to be brought up because I'm not ashamed of what I understand and what I see, and I'm not going to preach Tim Pruitt's ideal. I'm going to preach what I think God's Word says. And you just have to live with that or swim with it, okay? But I read where Peter is saying, Peter is standing up on the day of Pentecost, and he's bringing up the prophet Joel that God gave him the Word. God gave Joel the Word. Now the Holy Spirit's being poured out, but Joel had already said it. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now some people say, oh no, that's talking about something going to happen at the end. No, that's talking about the last days. Did you know the last days, if you add up, now you want to add up what the scientists tell you. you tell, they'll tell you four million years ago something happened. I'll tell you right now, they don't know what you're talking about. They weren't there. They don't even know George Washington lived except for the little books they got. And I'm going to tell you, my Bible tells me God created it all. And it's basically been about 6,000 years ago, according to the way I understand the Bible. You can add it up any way you want to. But we're living in about the 6,000 years of time. And there's a 1,000-year millennial reign coming that Christ is going to rule and reign. And I look at it, seven is the completeness. Seven is what God's doing. And you can tell the day that we're living in is the end time. It is the last day. But even beyond that, when you look at it, 4,000 years ago, 4,000 years went before Christ came. So if you look at the 4,000, that's more than halfway to the 7,000. So if you say in the last days, the last days are the days of the end of that, of that seven, seven years. So when he says the last days, this is the last days. It's been going on since Christ came. We're in the last days. Jesus came. He came to bring the gift of eternal life to mankind. He came to bring all that mystery we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. He brought this gospel to you and I. And he's brought the Holy Spirit to live and dwell inside of us. And that's a mystery. See, that don't make sense to the world. That don't make sense that you can live for Jesus and know him inside of you. Know that you walk with him and talk with him, that he's with you. I know the world don't see it. They're not going to see it until they get it themselves. But when you finally get convicted, when the Holy Spirit begins to do like the song was saying, and he leads you out, and he brings you to salvation, and he forgives your sin, all of a sudden there's a new person. All of a sudden, you're born again. You're like a new person, alive and well. Okay, I want you to go on and read the rest of that. It says, in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, 
I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, prophesy means a word that God has given, but it's understandable. Listen to what I'm telling you. And we're going to get into this tonight. But tongues is a beautiful thing, but it edifies you. Tongues doesn't edify the church unless somebody interprets. And if it interprets, it's equal to prophecy. Now, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, and I'll show you that tonight. But you'll have to come back for tonight. Okay, sorry, I'm not trying to push you to do anything you don't want to do. But I tell you, we need to understand these things. And number one, this, you've got to look at Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. Because I want you to go there, 1 Corinthians 12. And I want you to understand something. Paul didn't just get an ideal and say, I'm going to preach on that because we believe that. No, Paul was addressing something going on in the Corinthian church. Hear what I'm saying. If there's things going on, we have to address them. God has been moving in our church. That's a beautiful thing. But sometimes if you don't believe tongues or you don't believe in what's going on, you may have a hard time accepting what they're saying or what's going on. But I tell you, all that will be cleared up. If you'll listen to what the word of God is being said. But understand what I just said. Paul is setting this up. He's bragging on the Corinthian church. If you look at the Corinthian church and you read from 1 Corinthians all the way through 2 Corinthians, you're going to find out he's addressing a Pentecostal move, a Pentecostal church. And they had faults. And they had problems. You read into the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians and you'll find they had some problems, some sin problems. So it wasn't that they were one bit better than any other church, but he's dealing with that church with the problems that they do have. And he's bragging on them. He wants them to understand he's not condemning them. He is rebuking them to a sense or reproving them or correcting them. Because God knows every one of us need to see what his word is saying because what will happen if you go off and think I know what it means or I read somebody's book, they told me how to do this. But look out because what Sue said, you're going to find there's books written about everybody else's experience but they get away from the word of God. And let me tell you something, the enemy will get in anything. I don't care what it is. You can call it a happy time. You can call it a, a great ministry. You can call it or whatever. But if you allow the enemy to get his foot in the door, look out. We cannot put a stamp of approval on everything that comes by that we think spiritual. Because there's a lot of spirits going on. John, 1 John 4 will tell you there's a lot of spirits you need to try to see who they are. Okay. I know everybody's looking at me like I'm getting ready to tell them something really important just telling you what the Bible says. And I'm going to get to this. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, he calls them brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, I want you to look at verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And that no man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to hear that because understand this. If you proclaim Christ as your Savior, you need to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
Holy Spirit is the one that witnesses to you that he has forgiven me. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. I don't go around feeling so spiritual that, oh, I just, everything I think, God gave it to me. No, I don't. I have to search my Bible. I am looking for what his Bible, his, his roadmap to me is. And I'm trying to follow it the best that I know how. And I pray about everything. Because if I don't pray about it and I don't seek God's face, I'm, not, I'm going to be falling into traps one way or the other. And you know what I look at? I look at these things. I said it before. This is the inspired, infallible word of God. There's no faults in it. God it came upon the people to have them to write it. They wrote it, and just as Joel wrote that the day would come when the Holy Spirit of God would be put down upon, laid down upon the people. How many knows it came to pass? So you can like what happened in Acts 2, and almost every time you get up and start talking about Acts 2, everybody going, oh, no, I'm going to hear this again. Let me tell you something. It's important. If it wasn't important, God wouldn't have made it important. But it was important. It was important to come. Do, do what I do. You know what? I remember because it's funny Carl and Patty not here because I was going to brag on Patty. Patty, a long time ago at the little church, her and Carl was visiting. They weren't even coming to our church at the time. But they were visiting. I was learning to sing, singing with Sue and Becky. And I was, had the lead because I didn't know how to do harmony. So I'm standing up there, and it's altar call time. And I'm standing there singing. And all of a sudden, Susie, it got total quiet. And I thought, something's wrong with a mic. I moved a little closer. <laughs> yeah, like a dummy. But you know what's truth? I recognize I wasn't sensitive to the Spirit of God. And boy, you're talking about leaving hurt. I was so broken, I told my father that day, I don't belong up on that stage. I don't belong singing. I don't belong doing anything. And my dad said, go read the Bible and seek what you think you're seeking. And I went and began to pray for the Spirit of God. I'm not really wanting to talk about this today. It's not really my subject. But I want you to understand something. God answered my prayer he answered my prayer in my basement a few weeks later but I had to get on my knees in my basement day after day and cry out to him I did I gotta tell you something really odd I didn't speak in tongues that night but I knew God hit me I knew God touched me I knew the Holy Spirit flooded me so when people tell you you have I gotta hear your tongue go or I don't hear I don't think you got it let me tell you something, I look at that like I don't know what you're doing. I know what God hit me, and I know the next day I spoke in tongues. But I did not sit, get down on my knees to say, I want to speak in tongues. I got down on the knees because I wanted to be a discerner of who God was. I wanted to be able to know his voice and not be out of order. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Praise God. You know what? That's what God did in me. I, I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying not to be personal, but that's my personal look. And you may think, well, you missed it. Hey, to some degree, they, they would tell you you missed it in some Pentecostal churches. To others, they think, oh, you guys are way overboard. You're too Pentecostal for people. No, I'm trying to follow what I feel God's laid in my heart. 
And I'm going to say it. And if, if God put me here, then I need to say the truth. And I say it the way it happened. Okay. But this, this Holy Spirit, I want you to understand, it's poured out. And I want you to understand when it gets to these gifts, there's a reason why God gives gifts. God gives spiritual gifts to do what? Help the church. Let me tell you something. This is to help the church. If it ain't to help in the church, you know what? There ain't no church going to go for it. But the Holy Spirit will help the church. And the spiritual gifts will help. And when, when I said that about Carl and Patty, when I was standing here, I was okay. But when I stepped up closer trying to sing louder because I thought something was wrong with the mic, Patty, I looked back and little Patty's going, <laughs> not rudely. I don't think nobody else was looking. I think everybody else had their head down or praising God. But Patty's going. And you know what I knew right then, Sue? I was out of order. I knew something was wrong with me. And I backed up. And praise God. You know what? That's a love. That's love. That isn't really hate. That's love. That isn't, that isn't being rude to somebody. That's being good to somebody. I needed to learn something. And praise God, I learned something. So learning is a big thing. We have to continue to learn or otherwise we've cut God off. I only believe this. I ain't going no further. Don't tell me no more. I don't want to hear it. And you know what? You'll find a church that will go right along with you if you search. But you've got to go where God sends you. And you've got to go where God has put you in and then you start learning. And it, you know what? If we begin to cut scriptures out and say, oh, we don't go there, we don't talk about that, then I'd say, you know, find you another church that's going to tell you the truth. I keep getting off of this, and I don't know why, but I praise God for Patty. Carl, at the same time, was getting ready to speak a word of knowledge over somebody. You know, I had been, now I'm going to tell you something even worse than that. I had been with Carl and my father to Wings of Deliverance Church, Brother Eddie Wilson and the one that Carl and them talk about. I had been there to their little church on a, on a Wednesday night just for prayer. And I stood in the room with about 20 people. And I was just a young boy. I was probably a teenager. I'd been saved, but I didn't understand the tongue. But I got in that room and they began to speak in tongues. And they began to pray in tongues. They didn't, they didn't give there wasn't messages given. There was just praying in tongues. Okay? And I can tell you, I can remember uh, the pastor's wife sitting at this little piano or organ, and she would play music and sing in tongues. And can I tell you, you can think that's crazy, but I can tell you right now, it was real. Now, you might go home and think, boy, he really got messed up, didn't he? No. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, God was showing me things. I, I can sense one thing, and I understood this. I sense the Spirit of God. I sense the presence of God when he's wanting to do something, when he's trying to move. And that night, standing there, I've been more than once. I can't, went to those prayer meetings. And I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't pray that way. I just got down, bowed my head, prayed in English. I didn't know. But I know this, I never heard my father speak in tongues. Boy, you know what? That's odd, ain't it? Because Papa believed it. Papa had the gift of interpretation. He could interpret other people's tongues. 
God gave it to him in Nacogdoches, Texas. Okay? But I remember when it happened. But Papa never pushed that at anybody. Nor did he boast that he had something. And I, I can tell you, that's because Pop knew what God was doing. Never did he ever feel like Asbury did him wrong. Asbury showed him every which way in the world to walk for God. Showed him how to live by faith. Showed him how to love people. You were talking about a pastor that had love. That was Merle Arbonne. Everybody knew it. He loved every person that walked in the door and treated them with great grace and mercy because God had given him that calling of what he had. And I thank God for that. I don't never look at it like we've arrived. I look at it like, you know what? We've got to do what God gave us in our generation and our time. Let me get back to this if I can. It says in verse 4, verse 4, now the diversity of gifts, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are differences of administration. That means service, uh, serving the Christian, uh, the works. There's difference of that, but it's the same Lord, and there's a diversity of operation. That means how the power of God operates in the church. Sometimes that's through callings. Different people has different callings. You know, sometimes you can come in here and the, and the Holy Spirit, God has took over and the ministry of song is just beautiful. You don't need to be preached to. You can feel the presence of God and the presence of God is calling your name. You know, I'm not... I'm not telling you anything. I'm telling you that I know it's not about me. It's not about anything but what God is trying to do. And he knows every soul that's here. He knows every need that you have. But God is also trying to raise us up to be the church that he wants us to be. I don't want to be Jimmy Swagger's church. I praise God for him. I don't want to be Charles Stanley's church. But I praise God for him. I have learned from all those people. But can I tell you something? I realize they got their place and their calling and they must do what God gives them and we must do what God gives us. And as long as I stand here that way and when you decide, you know what, he's sitting on it, then move me out of the way and get somebody else. But I'll tell you right now, I want to do what God wants to do. I don't want to fit somebody's program. I don't want to fit somebody's book on how it's done. You know what? They got a thousand books on how to get healed. They got a thousand books on how to speak in tongues. They got a thousand books on what you need to do. But can I tell you, every time I read the Bible, I say it just happened. When God said it was time, the Holy Spirit fell upon the people. And when Peter went and preached to Cornelius... Can I tell you something? He was just preaching Jesus to him. And the Holy Spirit came down upon him and they began to speak in tongues. He didn't pray. Let's come on. Let's, you guys speak in tongues. No. He prayed for them and he, but he, it wasn't his prayer. It was his preaching. He was preaching Jesus to him. And Cornelius was ready to receive it. And I will tell you, there was a purpose because it was opening to the Gentiles. God's doing great things. God had done great things. And because of those days, me and you and this church, the Gentile people all across this nation know about the presence of God, know about the power of God, know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
There could not be spiritual gifts if there was not a day when the Holy Spirit fell. I know you don't want to hear that. But it took that day of the Pentecost for the Spirit to come upon the people, and then God calls them. Now, I know God called prophets before and gave them the Spirit. God called kings and gave them the Spirit. But can I tell you, it's open to all. And he come to dwell inside of every one of us. That's why it was brought to us. That's why it was presented. That's why it came with a real bang. How do you say it? It came with a real powerful day. And I can tell you, you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't five minutes of speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost. I'm back off this again. Uh, it wasn't five minutes of speaking in tongues. They began to speak in tongues and the people heard them and they began to go get people and bring them back and they were still speaking in tongues and they were speaking in languages that people, Jewish people that lived all across there were coming for these feast days and they were there and they all had little different languages and they began to speak to them and they all heard in their own language and that's why they thought they was drunk. They're just rattling on but yet they hear in their language. So it was a different falling upon the, of the people than in probably the normal way of someone receiving the Spirit of God, someone receiving the baptism. It probably happened a little different than what people do. It probably happens a different in there. But can I tell you something? Don't ever raise God. You can't put God in the box and tell him how it's going to be. God will move the way God wants to if we'll open our heart and we'll open our life to it. Okay. One thing about those four, five, and six verses, it says, one, the first one says the Spirit, the second one says the Lord, and the third one says God. Let's talk about all three of them. How many knows the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit's involved in the whole thing? And then it says, verse seven, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? Every man to profit with. So whatever the Spirit of God does in this church, it's given to every one of us. And I believe God does pick out certain people and gives them a gift of speaking in tongues for the church. That becomes a message given. Someone will give an interpretation. The person praying in tongues should always be praying Give the interpretation, Lord. Give the when you're speaking in tongues, you don't you're not in space somewhere that don't know that there's people sitting around you, that don't know that you're still in a church house. Can I tell you something? You're praying in tongues. The Holy Spirit, your spirit is aligned with the Holy Spirit, and you're speaking in the, to the Holy Spirit of God. And that's going on inside of you, but at that same time, if there's no one in the house that is an interpreter, and you know, sometimes you can be in a room of 20 people. If there's nobody there that you, you don't know they interpret, you're supposed to keep silent. That's a thing of tonight I'm going to tell you about. I don't know why I'm telling you this morning, but it's going to happen. That's scripture. That's what Paul is setting this church up to get ready to rebuke them about or to tell them about. Why? Because he wants the Spirit of God to have freedom to work in this church. But if the people takes over and begins to tell how it's going to happen, it gets out of whack. It gets out of order. Okay. I'm going to try to get off that. But it's, it's that. 
in the 12th, uh, in the 8th verse, 8th, 9th, and 10th, it talks about the different uh, gifts, spiritual gifts given. One of them is the spirit of wisdom, word of wisdom. One's a word of knowledge. One's uh, faith, you know, and there's faith in different, different ways. But I think somebody's given a special faith. A faith, they can come up to you and, and speak to you and all of a sudden you're ready to believe because they encourage you in faith. I believe that's a faith gift. I believe there's the gifts of healing and there's the working of miracles and there's prophecy and there's discerning of spirits and there's diverse kinds of tongues and there's interpretation of tongues. I just want to tell you what they are. I'm not going to talk about them necessarily. But I am going to go on to the 8th verse or to the 11th verse. The 11th verse says this. This is what I want to get to. But all these works the one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man again severally as he will. Who's he? That's the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm telling you. It's the Holy Spirit and it's God. They're working together to bring it out. Do you know you can't pick the person that's going to get that gift? I praise God when I see somebody that has great faith to heal because I want them to touch everybody in the house that needs prayer. But you know what? If I don't feel like that, we still have the right as a church to call someone together and anoint them with oil and pray for them and our prayer of faith will heal the sick and if they've done any sin, it'll forgive them. But I still love to see it when I see somebody that has faith to heal. And I can tell you right now, my wife got a, a report right down here on Montgomery Road that she had a big tumor down in her, her esophagus. Doctor told her she hadn't, she hadn't been able to talk clear for a week. And this doctor went down to the ear, nose, and throat guy. He looked down there and he said he had a picture of a big tumor down there. And he told her she had cancer. She needed to go to uh, see this other doctor that would do it from the stomach up or go all the way down to the stomach to make uh, sure what kind of a tumor it was. Well, she started crying and we started leaving and left. And we started uh, going up the road. She tried to call the doctor she was supposed to get to. And that doctor told her, well, we might be able to see you in a month from now. And she started crying more. And I said, call the people we just left back and tell them what they said. So she did, and the girl said, well, sometimes it takes a while. But I can tell you, we went from there to the church. And when we got here, Cliff, Cliff Ekman was here. And we went into the back of that church, and we started to pray. And he laid hands on my wife. You know why? Cliff was told he was going to die. He was told a long time ago when he first got saved, he was going to die. And he came right up here to the altar, and Lou and, and Dad and a bunch of them prayed with him up here. And he walked out of there and was healed. And from that day on, you, you couldn't tell him you had a problem that he didn't say, God's going to heal you right now. And he'd go right at you. Because why? He had great faith. He had belief that the healing was right there. All you had to do is reach out and grab it. And I can tell you, I brought her in. She prayed. Me and Cliff stood back there. She pray, he prayed with her. And they were in the kitchen doing something. We left the next Sunday. We came here. Jeannie was here. I remember a bunch of people gathering around her and, and one other guy that had the same problem. A young person, 17. Was he 17? I think he was 17. 
Was he older? Anyway, he had the same problem. Same lost voice, everything. But they stood together, Shirley and him, at, up here at this altar, right here. And people prayed for him. The next, the doctor called back and got her in Monday. I, I don't know where the connection was, but somebody got a connection. I know where the connection was, but it wasn't them. But I can tell you, when we went in there, and this little foreign doctor, got you talking about big eyes. He had the big eyes. And when he went in, he took her in there to take film of her all the way down. He went down and back. He come outside to the waiting room, and I looked, and I saw him come out, and I thought, something's going on. She ain't supposed to get out there yet. He looks at me, and he goes, does this number? And I walk over to him. His eyes are real big. And I said, what is it? And he pulls these two pieces of paper out, and he says, look at them. Eight pictures on each page. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. I know that doctor sent you here. He wouldn't have sent you if there wasn't a tumor. I can't find a tumor nowhere. He said, it's gone. It's completely gone. There's nothing there. Now, you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I was just as shocked as you was. I was just a house prayer. I didn't know what to do. I didn't hardly know what to say. But I did tell him, well, we did have her prayed for. I was so excited, I didn't know what to do. But I took her home, and that very night she got her voice back and never heard another word about it. It was all over. God took care of her. I know God can do great things, but our world and our Christian world is getting away from believing that God can do. We have to stay with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God that wants to do things in your life and in mine. Yes, we want Him to send Him that perfect bride for my little son and that perfect boy for my little daughter. And we pray and we, we grab them, roll around the floor and cry and pray. But I'm going to tell you something. God wants us to believe him for all things, everything, not just our personal likes, but everybody comes in here and he's got trouble. Okay. Verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews, Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink of one Spirit. One Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. Now listen, you've got your own Spirit. There's a spirit of a man, but the Holy Spirit is what you're seeking. The Holy Spirit to be welcome to come and live and dwell in you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. Fill me, Lord, with your presence. I ain't nobody, God, but I remember all those years that I kept telling God I ain't no good at nothing. And I remember God telling me, but I need workers. And I can remember all those things, but I know this, as I kept praying, Lord, I can't do that. I'm not good enough to do that, but I kept stepping forward. Every time God would open a door that I was to teach, I'd get into teaching. And every time I'd get up, do something about the singing or the playing, I'd get involved in it, Mike. I was trying to help. I was trying to do my part. Can I tell you, if you stay faithful, and you stay holding on to that, God will begin to open doors and put you places you thought you'd never be. I don't belong up here. I'm not the speaker. 
My brothers can outspeak me. My sisters can outspeak me. My friends, my brother-in-laws can outspeak me. But you know what? I'm just trying to do what was crying out in my heart all my life. Oh, God, please use me. Lord, don't refuse me. I just want to be your child, and I want to be faithful to what you tell me to do. And can I tell you, I ain't always done it just right. I ain't always fit what somebody else thought was right. But I'm striving still, Lord. I want to be used of you. I don't never want to lose that. That's my life. That's my life. Christ is my life that way. I have to keep fighting and striving. Sometimes my body tells me, no, you can't do that no more. But I keep remembering. I have to keep that desire to want to do for God. It's one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Now listen to me. We're a body of believers here. It's great to have a body. Can I tell you, sometimes the hands gets all the attention. You ever see that kid that sits in the front row and waves at the teacher? Here, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Don't they aggravate you to death? But you know what? A lot of times, teacher looks right past them and picks somebody else. But can I tell you, in the body, there's people that's like the hands. Yeah, they seem to get a whole lot more attention than you do. Sometimes you think, maybe I'm just a little pinky toe. Or sometimes maybe I'm the armpit. Or maybe I'm the, I'm the somewhere on the back. Nobody can see me. I don't get no attention. I'm not really important to the body. But can I tell you something? You let one person hurt in the body. One place you hurt on your body, and the rest of the body knows about it. And they should, and you will pamper it, and you will love it, and you will treat it good. And I'm going to tell you something other the Spirit of God is moving in the body. And when the body is moving, it moves together. It doesn't move separate. There's not one group going over here doing this and one group going that. You can't do it by yourself. You need the body. You can praise your hands all you want to. You can throw your hands in the air and praise them all you want to. But if your feet's not taking you to the right place, you ain't doing what God wants you to do. How many knows what I'm talking about? You can have eyes to see, but you have to get where you're going. I know God is showing that the body's got to move together. And it's the body, when he talks about this, he's talking about a church body. He's talking about a body of believers. Because all through these three chapters, of 12, 13, and 14, he keeps saying, when you come together. What's he talking about? He's talking about the church people. He's talking about when you come together. He's writing to a Corinthian church, telling them when you come together. Verse 18, but now hath God set, set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. Not you, not me. Let me tell you something. I can encourage you. If you've got a beautiful voice, I can encourage you to sing. But if you don't live for God, I might hurt you. Can I tell you? I don't want you up here if you don't really want to live for God. Is that hard to say? I'm trying to warn you. Don't take it for granted that you can do this because it's you. 
You can only do it because of him. If he don't do the increase in you, it won't ever work. It'll never glorify the Savior, and it'll cause division. It'll cause that schism in the, in the body. It will cause separation. Verse 20. But now are you, now are they many members, yet but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. And again, the, hand, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. Our uncomely parts. What's an uncomely part? You know, uh, comely things are elegant looking. They look good. Now you might be sitting there and you might look good as a Christian. But it's those uncomely people. They don't look so good. They may have a whole lot more troubles than you have. Isn't that true? Let me tell you something. You, you can talk to the body of Christ or you can talk to the, to the body of a family. Sometimes you got one that seems to be everything works good for. They want to get a job. Job just opens. The door flies open and money just comes at them. And here you're striving trying to make it. Sometimes in the body of Christ, there's comely parts. Why is Paul bringing this up? There's people that's, that looks good. But can I tell you something? There ain't nobody above nobody else. Remember this. He's bringing this up to show you, don't you dare ignore that person you don't like. Don't you dare treat that person as they're not important. How many here's what I'm saying? This body's got to move together. We got to love each other. That's why the love chapter is the next chapter. Got, Paul put it there purposely. God gave it to him to write it where it belonged. I'm going to take too long, so I got I got to cut through this. But it says, "For our comely parts have no need." That means they seem to have no need. These people that look good and they seem to have their act together and everything's rosy, they don't seem to need anything. They, you don't ever hear them coming to you and saying, "Oh, just pray for me," because I'm really in de a desperate need. They seem to be just walking and talking and and happy and joyful and, and never get down. But he says, our comely parts have no need. But God had tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body. Schism is the division in the body. And it can be a division of belief. Anything that separates the body. We got to believe together. Now, you don't have to believe everything I say, but get your Bible out. And when I get off, you come tell me. When I ain't preaching what this Bible says, pay attention to it, study it yourself, study it up, and then come and tell me. Because I can tell you, our teachers, our preachers, our singers, we need to be on the same, same. if we're going to stand before people, we need to be know what we're, we're saying it for. And I'm going to tell you, this sounds like an odd message to you maybe, but I'm going to tell you, every church needs to clarify who they are. 
They need to clarify what the, what's going on. What is driving you and what's behind you? What are you seeking for? God is trying to make this church come to the place, you know? I'll read that in a little bit. It says in verse 25 that there should be no schism, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. One member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Look down at verse 28 now. God has set some in the church, first apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now the list ain't the exact same, but how many knows there's not a, there's not necessarily an identification on some, uh, some of these. Some of these are helps. There are some people that's there every time you need them. They are supporters. They support every time there's work to be done. They're volunteering. They're involved. They're helpers in every area. They don't, they don't think about running from it. They think about running to it. God has called people, and he has to have that because the body's got to do it. I could say to my son, son, I'll carry all that stuff out, but my son will say, Pop, you're old. You sit down. I'll carry it out. And can I tell you, it's good. He's got his muscles still. Mine's all hanging down here somewhere. <laughs> you know? You, you come to that place. The old back don't let you do it. You keep trying to do it, but it just don't work all the time. But God puts people in, in the church. We have to have support of what we're doing. This church needs support by the people. Don't think that we're trying to do this and we're trying to make the increase and we don't need you. Let me tell you something. You're the body. Without you, we are wasting our time. It ain't about us. It ain't about our glory. It ain't about the money. It ain't about the looks of the building. It's only about what God is doing in the church. And that has to be done through obedience. That has to be done through faith. That has to be done as one, one unity. Come on back up, Anna. Then it says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Now, these are talking about spiritual gifts. They're not talking about when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues. Did you know what? I can speak in tongues, but can I tell you, I don't know what I'm saying, but I know I'm aligned with the Spirit of God. I know that God, I've come to a place sometimes where the Spirit of my spirit is aligned with God's Spirit, and it ain't my words, it's my spirit that's praying. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but it for others, it may happen a little different. I don't know how it happens to you, but I can just tell you how I feel inside. Then it says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. What's he talking about? Then he starts talking about love. And then he, I want to read the first three. It says, though I, this chapter 13, it says, though I speak, with tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I am become of a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. 
And though I have the gifts of prophecy and understand all the mysteries, think about that. You know how many people are on the computer trying to tell you a prophetic word every day? They think they've arrived. They can make millions on everybody sending them money so they can give you a word of prophecy. And I'm thinking to myself, it says here, if you don't have love, all the mystery that you think you can understand doesn't help nobody if you don't love people. Jesus came and he loved them all. Hear what I'm saying. He loved them. He loved them, the, those that hung him on the cross. He loved them. We got to be like Christ. We got to learn to love people. We don't love cliques. You know what? There shouldn't be no cliques in the church. There should only be love between one from another. If you hurt, I hurt. And I can tell you right now, I may not be able to get up and run everywhere I'm I, that you might think I need to be. But can I tell you something? I know, where you're, I know who I can talk to about your situation. And I get on my knees and I pray for you. And I cry out to God. God, help them. They're in a desperate situation. Help them. I know sometimes they're fighting their own faith. They're fighting to believe. Can I tell you, I love my sister and I love my brother-in-law and I love Matthew, but they're fighting for their life. Can I tell you? They're all fighting for the faith to go forward. You may be there tomorrow. I may be there tomorrow. Just keep telling me about Jesus. Just keep encouraging me about Christ, about what he's done and that he loves me still, that I'm his child, that you're his child. I have nothing. Amy, I don't know what to say to people when I go to, to the hospital. I just pray God be good to them. I remember my father saying, I, I told, asked him one time, Dad, how can you be talking to me and be so joyful? But when you go into that room, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit hits him and he's crying and he's weeping with people that he don't even hardly know. Why? Because he said, God showed me a long time ago it could be the shoes that I'm in that would be in their place. And he said, till I learn." to love people I couldn't do it and that hurt me because see I didn't know if I loved people like my father did I kept saying I can't do this pastor job I don't love people that way God had to do a work in me and God had to do a work in my father for him to come to there though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. And if I have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my gifts to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I have not love, it profits me nothing. The greatest is love. Paul wrote that 13th chapter because he wants the Corinthian people to know, before I rebuke you people, listen to what he's saying, before I rebuke you in the 14th chapter, I got to let you know you got to love. We have to love. The body's got to be in love. Don't you understand it? I know sometimes it's hard to like somebody, but love them anyway. Pray for them. I don't care how mean they are. I don't care how hard they're having it. They may be those uncomely people or those people that seem to have a problem uh, with everybody else getting attention but their self. But love them anyway. 
God's doing a work. God brings them together with this body. I can't help that my body, some, I used to have a guy I played football with in high school. I can't remember his name, but they called him Birdman. He had the biggest belly for a kid in high school. Now, I want you to think about it. But his legs weren't that big around. I mean, skinny little legs, but he had a big old belly. He was jolly as he could be, and he was a good football player. But he had the skinniest little legs, and everybody called him Birdman all the time because he looked like a bird. You know what? Maybe he didn't look perfect to other people. But can I tell you, he was part of our team. And I don't care how imperfect you think you are or how perfect you think you are. You belong to this body. If you truly belong to this body, it'll work. God can use us as a body. But we need each other. When you get a prayer request, it may not be your family, but pray for them. Hear what I'm telling you. Pray for them. Ask God to intercede. Ask God to move. You don't know what God's fixing to do. Praise God. Everybody stand, if you will. The unity of spiritual gifts working in the church is important. Can I tell you? If we got people with gifts, does that make you mad? I'm tickled to death. I'm pleased when I see somebody. I watch sometimes. I'll be, I'll be standing here, and when I see somebody come out with a message in tongues, an interpretation comes, and I, I know the Bible says to judge it. He's basically saying what he's talking about when he says judge and prophecy. Them are prophetic words that come. Or they're words of doctrine or they're words of revelation or there's something to bring something to us. But it's there for our church. It's a, a building up of our church. And God placed it into somebody. And you could say, well, that person gets everything. Uh, why do they get that gift? I would rather have that gift. Let me tell you something. Let God be God. Just be a part. Be thrilled that God has given you the place to serve God. Because I can tell you, ever since I got saved at Asbury Tabernacle, I was a part of a body of believers that I, was, that I loved them. I thought every one of them was perfect but me. I thought they were good people. They were great people. They were, they were top of the line. You know what? God wants us to love each other that much. Be, the, be a part of the body. Praise God. I know it's a different message. But if you need to pray, come. We need to be one in unity in all things. Let God have his way in the heart. We are expected to finish our race in this generation. Not walk off. Not leave out. You can walk off sitting right there. You hear what I'm saying? You can walk away from God sitting right in your seat. You got to be a part of what God's doing. You know what? I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know this. I need everything God wants me to have to make it through.
while they sing something, you come. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be ago, and I would say it if he's standing here, three or four years ago, Merle Brown went to the hospital. Merle's the guy that looks like Santa Claus over here. But can I tell you something? He's like a little child in his heart. He was in a hospital and I went up to see him. He got out of that bed. The gown don't fit all the way around him. And he's walking me down the hallway, telling never nurse, this is my friend. This is my friend. I told him, I said, Murray, you gotta get another gown on, buddy. It ain't covering nothing. He walked me all the way to the elevator, Amy. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking the nurses are looking to be like, man, you, you don't you know this guy's not doing everything, doing the right thing here. But you know what? It was beautiful to love him. I love loving him. I, I, you know what? He's, he's, I've known him since we were kids in, in Asbury Tabernacle. And I thank God he sends him here. Can I tell you? I thank God Merle comes around. Because I need to love everybody. I need to help everybody. I need to care about everybody. God help us to be that kind of people. There ain't none of us above anything else. I praise God. Some people have a harder time in life with some things. Some things come easy to you. But learn to love people. That's what Jesus did. He came to save us all. There's so many of us don't deserve it. Almost every one of us don't deserve it. But why he would love us why he would clean us up and say I want you to be a child I want you to be my my child in my family praise God he loves us no I don't get scared about coming tonight I'm not going to rebuke nobody I'm not out there 
hurt nobody. I promise you. You know what? I'm, I'm trying and striving to make it, make it home. I just want to tell you what God says. I want to show it to you the best I know how. But God has been so good to us. God's been so gracious to us. He's been good to us when we weren't living right, when we weren't doing right. He waited on us faithfully. And I want to give him my very best. I don't want to give him what's left over in my life. I want to give him my very best. He deserves the best. I thank you for being so patient today. I had no intentions of keeping you late. I actually thought I had a short message. But it's the way it works sometimes. I praise God for the people that come here. God has put a lot of good people in this place. People strong in prayer, strong in understanding scripture, strong in understanding what to sing, when to sing it. Can I tell you, my sister Becky and Matthew, they need to be here. You know what? They're part of this body. And I love them. And I know that they're having their battles. And that's that's every one of us. We don't know what we're going to face tomorrow. But I know this. They need to keep close to God. God wants to use them. But the enemy don't want them to be used. Pray for people. Praise God.